Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Sunday morning, so glad you're with us today. Bears are off. Uh, it's a bye week for the Chicago Bears, and they uh, head down the stretch of the, the final stretch of the season here, beginning next week. So we'll talk a little Bears before we get out of here at 10 a.m., but uh, the Bulls were anything but off last night. Uh, the beginning of the season, if you missed the first quarter, that's okay because the Chicago Bulls would normally be down double digits. And the bench mob would have to come in and try to claw themselves back into the game. But uh, last night, the Chicago Bulls went off at the United Center. Unbelievable. Sure, Luka Doncic was not available for the Dallas Mavericks. But the Bulls uh, will take the uh, bright spots as they find them this season because they are 11-14. and 11-14 on the season, uh, currently 11th place in the Eastern Conference Everyone had hoped for much better uh, in December uh, going into the season. Uh, the front office hoped that they would be at least a second-round playoff team. We'll see if they achieve that goal. It seems like a big hill to climb right now. But if you missed the first half, you missed a franchise record 82 points last night. 82 points a few years ago would have been a, the total at the, end of the, uh, at the end of the game. You look up the scoreboard and see 82 and wonder what the hell's going on. But uh, Billy Donovan has asked for two things of this offense. Pretty simple. Uh, you'd like five to seven players to be a double figures when everything's said and done each and every night and to have at least 25 assists. Well, last night against Dallas, Chicago Bulls uh, did exactly that. They had seven players score in double digits, and 11 of the 12 players had at least one of the 33 assists. The Bulls moved the ball last night. Ended up 144 points, 144 over the uh, Dallas Mavericks, 115. And again, the Mavericks had played on Friday night in, in up in Milwaukee. A late start there at 9 o'clock. They got to their hotel here in Chicago in the wee hours of the morning. They had, were down a few bodies. But again, no pity party for Dallas. The Chicago Bulls obviously have their issues, including Lonzo Ball not being available for who knows when. Uh, we'll talk to Jason Goff, one of my buddies, and you see him on the pre and post game on NBC Sports Chicago. A terrific guy, a terrific talent. And he's going to, I've had a whole list of what the hell's wrong with the Bull questions, uh, Bulls questions uh, to ask Jason. And we'll still get into that because one game does not a season make. But uh, the feel good last night uh, was certainly there for the Chicago Bulls. And uh, a little later on the show, uh, not feeling so good, our Chicago baseball fans. Uh, the winter meetings have come and gone in the last week in San Diego and both sides of town feeling uh, a bit disappointed that in, in what exactly got accomplished for the Cubs and White Sox. My old buddy Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune will uh, come in and help us break down the hot stove league such as it is in this town. We expect uh, more activity. Will we see any more activity now that the winter meetings are over? Because right now, Rosters on either side of town are not too encouraging if you're going to try to contend for a division, let alone a uh, World Series. Well, we have a lot to get to before we get out of here at 10 o'clock, and uh, our phone number is 312-332-3776. Last night, Chicago Bulls on the 144-point uh, night. Uh, terrific, almost 56% from three-point range. Billy Donovan had asked his team to start shooting more threes because they shoot the fewest uh, average number of threes 
in the league, and um, the Bulls responded. Uh, they had 19 three-point field goals last night. And in postgame, Billy Donovan explained what uh, what he's hoping for as this Bulls team moves forward after the big win. Yeah, he'll be out tomorrow, not traveling with us. Uh, tailbone, um, just medical thought it was best to keep him back to get him some extra treatment. So how long, I, I don't know at this point in time, but just he's not traveling tonight. Dallas obviously is playing under some tough circumstances. Yes. But do you think there are things that you guys can take from this game that you need to put into regular practice, like the pushing the ball, the spreading it out, getting, you know, shooting the three-pointers with uh, – yeah, no, I thought, I thought you know, just the last two games, I think getting better and improving, I think, you know, offensively, clearly they had a, 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 you know, a tough game against Milwaukee and then obviously a tough turnaround playing as late as they did and coming in here and then obviously having, you know, some, some integral players out. Um, you know, I think for us just offensively, I think we're – I thought we tried to move the ball. I thought we generated good shots. Um, I thought we found the open man. I thought the floor was spaced well. Um, I think there's always things you can take from, from these, these, these games. Billy, recently you mentioned that your preferred offensive formula is five to seven in doubles and 25 or more assists. You've hit that a couple of times since you mentioned that. If you're telling us that, obviously you're emphasizing that to the team. How, how much do you talk about it, and is it something that you think is – something that you can attain more often than not. I, I think the assist part's a little bit misleading just because I think a lot of it's based on without the ball goes in the basket, but you can track the potential assists and I think we've been at our best. You know, we uh, you know, we scored a hundred and you know forty four points and it was spread around and the ball I think finds the open man. Um, I think Zach and, and Vooch and Demar are unselfish players that when they don't have it they'll they'll move it. Um, and it certainly gets other guys involved. But, I mean, we're, we're talking a lot about, you know, the ball movement, making the game easy for each other and, you know, find the open man, taking what the defense gives you, you know, recognizing how we're being guarded, those kind of things. And then, you know, all that's got to be predicated on, you know, putting pressure at the basket. And, you know, Vooch and Damar and Zach demand a lot of attention. So, you know, it's important when they're in double teams like Vooch is from the post kicking it out or, you know, if Damar starts to go and they bring two people, he kicks it out. And then, you know, we can get the ball kind of swung, get it moving and try to find the open guy. And, and along those lines, it looked like, I mean, the three-point attempts, seemed like they came within the flow of the offense. It was like inside out or complete ball reversal and swing. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, we're, we're trying. That. You know, yeah. like I said to you guys before, and I think I keep saying, like, we we, we got to – we it, it's not that we just need to lead the league in three-point shots. I just think there's opportunities for us to take more threes, you know, that are good shots. I'm not just saying we just want to launch them up because I think you got to take what the defense gives you, but there are opportunities for us to take more, and I, I thought we did a good job recognizing and taking the ones that we should take tonight. Getting Patrick Moore shots, part of the game plan. Obviously, he's your highest percentage shooter, and he, you know today I think was a career high for him. Yeah, I mean sometimes the ball's coming out. You know, it's so it's you know, unless you're trying to run a play for somebody to get a three point shot, a lot of times it comes off a of ball movement or extra passing. So he happened to be the recipient, as was DJ tonight. You know, DJ got a lot of corner threes tonight because the ball got swung and it found him. So it's hard to necessarily just say, hey, listen, we're just going to try to get this guy more threes because it all depends on how they're rotating and scrambling and what they're doing defensively. But I think the one thing we've tried to do is get Patrick closer to the basket offensively where he can kind of drive it or even post it up a little bit more and be a little bit aggressive because he does, he, he will make good decisions and good passes to guys. Obviously the offense will be the biggest story of the night, but it seemed like you guys came out flying around defensively too, forcing turnovers, you know, a lot of fast break points the first part of the first quarter. 
What did you think of that effort at the beginning and then how that kind of developed? Yeah, I mean, I thought we got off to a really good start. I thought we played really well on both ends. The, we didn't really have to run what I would say, you know, a lot of half-court offense because, to your point, we got stops and we got steals and we were able to get out and play and transition for the first six minutes. I was a little disappointed the way we started subbing. You know, we really, I don't know, we are up by 15 or whatever it was, and they cut it right down to maybe seven or eight, and there was a lapse there. But I, we, we, we kind of course corrected and got, and got it back up and played better but I thought we started well and a lot of it to your point was the steals and, and, and stops you know we're I think we're unselfish on the break um, we got a fast break as much as we can we got to get down the floor and you know I think that the steals and the um, and, and the stops enabled us to do some of that that's Bulls coach uh, Billy Donovan talking about the offensive explosion and uh, at the beginning of his comments he did uh, allude to the fact that uh, Alex Caruso went out with a bruised tailbone last night after six minutes of play, will not be taking the trip to Atlanta today where the Bulls play their second game in two nights, uh, back-to-back for the Chicago Bulls. Good news, Zach Levine looks like he will play in the second of a back-to-back, which has not been the case as they nurse his uh, knee injury and recovery and try to keep the stress off of that. But uh, you heard Billy Donovan talk about and being efficient from three-point range, not necessarily just jacking up threes for three's sake, but finding it within the offense. And the good news last night, a lot of good news, obviously, with a franchise record, 82 points in the first half. And uh, Patrick Williams, four or five from three-point range. Derek Jones Jr., also four or five from three-point range. So um, interesting that they finally had a laugher and uh, start to finish showed up because the Chicago Bulls have had a lot of difficulty this year starting games and to the point where Billy Donovan has shaken up the starting lineup to uh, find something that works and, and find a spark to get the team going in the first 12 minutes of games. So, um, you know, interesting because if uh, I'm sure you heard earlier in the week, uh, our guy Charles Barkley was on with his guys, Waddle and Sylvie. And um, a year ago, the Bulls were the feel-good story of the NBA, uh, one of the feel-good stories. But certainly in this town, they were surprised. They were the uh, toast of the town. Everyone was tuning in to watch the fun Chicago Bulls, the likable Chicago Bulls, the surprising Chicago Bulls. And a year later, with Lonzo Ball still on the shelf with his issues, um, Charles Barkley told Waddle and Sil- Sylvie, you don't want to hear this, but here you go. This is what Charles thinks the Bulls should do. Oh, and let me tell you something. I hate to break it to you. It's time to break up the Bulls, too. Oh, oh you want to we go there? Gonna, yeah, yeah, we were going to ask that. You, so, wait, you think they should blow it up? Yes, blow it up. It's time. You know, you got some good players. You're not good enough. It's time to start the rebuild. <laughs> we were just uh, there. We were just rebuilding two years ago, and they just signed Demar like a year and a half ago. Charles, you were really high on this team at the start of last year, weren't you? I was, but it's 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 that was last year. This yeah. is a new year. Listen, they're not going to win a championship this year or the next couple of years. You might as well. You can got some good players. You got to start the rebuild. You got to really start the rebuild and start over. Oh heavens, no! We got the Bears rebuilding. We got the Blackhawks rebuilding. Uh, Jed Hoyer says, "Don't call it a rebuild on the north side," but. They're doing something up there, not necessarily contending for a World Series, and we'll talk to Paul Sullivan about that uh, in a little bit. Did we put the Bulls on the rebuild list too? Um, good Lord, can we can we afford another rebuild in this town? But sadly, I'm kind of with Charles Barkley. 
I know the front office doubled down on continuity, and they certainly expected Lonzo Ball to be ready at the beginning of the season. And not only is he not was he not ready at the beginning of the season, he might not be ready at all this season, and that's just the reality of it. So if the Bulls are an 11 and 14 team without Lonzo Ball, and he's not even on the horizon uh, in terms of coming back, what are they exactly? Uh, a few weeks ago we were talking here on a Sunday morning and I said, what, what is it that the bulls do well? Well, last night they did a lot. Well, and we'll talk to Jason Goff after the break and find out where he's at with the idea of a rebuild a year after being a surprising team, although they did limp into the playoffs last year and then quickly bowed out. Uh, for the most part, we thought that was uh, a foundation. And then they doubled down on Zach Levine, gave him max money and really doubled down on continuity, saying we'll bring everybody back and we'll be that much better this season, and so far not so good. Uh, we will uh, talk to my guy Jason Goff. You see him on the uh, pregame and the postgame on NBC Sports Chicago, and uh, you should check out his Full Go podcast as well. Um, he is the man who will break down the Bulls for us right here on ESPN 1000. We'll be back in just a few. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Twitter at ESPN 1000. Welcome back to ESPN 1000 on Sunday morning. Glad you're with us talking Chicago Bulls. And uh, boy, when I uh, contacted my buddy Jason Goff yesterday and asked him if he'd hop on today, I didn't expect us to be talking about maybe the uh, arguably the most impressive game for the Chicago Bulls to this point in the season because um, I didn't see that one coming, Jason Goff. How about you? 82 points, franchise record in the first half. Hey, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, brother? How are you, man? Everything good? Uh, I did not expect it either, but uh, sometimes the NBA season, as you know, for years of covering it, sometimes the, the, the twists and turns can happen on one night, and uh, these last couple of games, especially going up against the Wizards and the Mavs without their two best players, you know, if they lose those games, we're all over them. So the fact that they handled the business and then handled their business as soundly as they did against the Mavs, uh, hopefully this team has figured out what the formula should be going forward to win some games and get themselves not only at 500 but above 500. Because right now, if you're looking around the Eastern Conference, the, the top teams are starting to get in gear a little bit because that, uh, that unofficial, you know, that casual uh, you know, season opening day on Christmas Day is around the corner. So teams are starting to gear up a little bit. You know, Jason, uh, when you look at this thing, I, I guess, and you said it, the schedule is, in the NBA in particular, is it can give you a game like that for mm -hmm. Dallas or Chicago. For the, you know, they, they're coming off the late start in Milwaukee. They obviously have to stipulate that Luka Doncic is not with them. But look, you know, Lonzo Ball hasn't been available to Chicago Bulls, and no one's having a pity party for the Bulls. Right. And yet the front office. I don't know if they miscalculated, but obviously they thought he'd be ready for the for the beginning of the season, if not training camp. And we don't even know. Uh, he's not, you know, by all accounts and reports, he's not running, he's not cutting, he's not doing much of anything, let alone basketball activity. And you see how much he means to this team. But that's how important today's game is. And it's an early start for you in a uh, 5.30 tip in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, you know, you have to build off a game like that last night and is the second of back-to-backs for for Billy Donovan's team but you have this team has to start stringing game, games together and as you alluded to beating Washington without Beal it doesn't give you a whole you know no one's you know throwing uh, having a celebration popping champagne over that but you got the job right. done 
But you you got to start picking up these games. And look, Atlanta's got its own issues. I mean, you know, Trey Young, Joe Colley, our, our buddy at the Chicago Sun-Times, threw his name out there as a possibility if the Bulls were looking to make a trade closer to the trade deadline. Would they be a trade partner because uh, everything's not uh, heavenly bliss in Atlanta between he and the team? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's a little messy right now in Atlanta. And now you got the, you know, anytime teams start to split up in terms of who's right, who's wrong when it comes to the coach and the best player, you already know how that's going to end. So, yep. and, and and Trey Young, I don't know if his fingerprints are on it, but, you know, Lloyd Pierce was just there. So it's like if the old dog ain't good enough for you and the young cat ain't good <laughs> enough for you at some point, you know, if you keep running in, into bad roommates, you might be the bad roommate, you know. And he, uh, <laughs> I think them going out there and getting DeJounte Murray and pairing him by his side was the experiment that they thought that Cleveland would have right now with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, where you got a guy to take a little bit of pressure off you offensively. And, of course, they try to hide him defensively, but hasn't worked out to that you know, to that measure. And, you know, DeJounte Murray is, is now injured. So um, Trey's got – Trey's got some uh, some some time now because it, you know that we see that clock right where yep. you, you have a star player who all of a sudden it starts to turn on him and then it comes to that crossroads of like okay what you gonna do like I know everybody thinks Steph Curry has been just nailing forty five foot jump shots his entire career but there was a time there where the ankle injuries and people thinking he was a liability on defense. I remember Derek used to go at him every single time he came to the United Center in the, in the early going. So at certain points in players' careers, you, you, you got to you see them go through that adversity and either triumph or just sub- sustain right there in that middle in the plateau. I don't know what part of that career is going to lead to for, for Trey Young, but in the end, the Bulls got to take advantage of this team, right? Because – you know, they, they're not just only in disarray, but right now they just seem like a team of mismatched pieces and might, the Bulls might be a team of mismatched pieces as well, but you got to, you know, they've lost three in a row. You know, you're catching them while they're reeling a little bit. You're catching them while there's some dissension. There's still the talk around the, the coach and, and, uh, and player confidence. Uh, so you got to take advantage of those things because the Bulls definitely dug themselves a hole early on uh, in the season. So right now you, you put so much pressure on all these games especially the back-to-back coming up against the Knicks, like teams that you are either better than or at the same level, and you need to beat, and uh, there should be no excuses going forward. He's Jason Goff. You see him on the pre- and post-game, which for the best part of this year has been the best part of the Chicago Bulls broadcast. <laughs> I, I mean, seriously, a couple of weeks ago, I'm, I'm sitting there watching that game at Oklahoma City, and, and, oh it, it, was, and it was just tough to stomach, and – yeah, they got the job done in overtime. I mean, it just—it was an overtime game, and there was just no entertainment appeal at all. And I, I don't want you and Kendall to turn into <laughs> to Chuck and Ozzy, where that's the only thing I, I, I'm tuning in for. As as great as you guys are, and and by the way, when I'm watching the pre and post game with you and Kendall in particular, Kendall was my first beat at the Chicago Sun Times. I covered the flying Illini. So okay. this is like. And, and you and my friend, you know, we've been, yeah, we've been around. I mean, we've been around sports talk radio for a long, long time now, and yes, you're still sir. very yes, young sir. men. But so, yeah, I mean, I'm watching. I'm, I'm just an old fart, as Terry Boers would say. You know, hey, buddy, you're just old. <laughs> but, uh, but but you know, this, this season has seen everything. I mean, you, you talk about star players. We've seen Zach benched in the closing minutes of a game, yeah. and and you know that hangover for about a week, and how he responds to that, and he still has an injury that. You know, it looks like he's going to play today, which is good news because the the plan had been to not push him and not play him in the second and back to back. So, a year it seems like a year ago 
we were celebrating everything, and you heard Charles Barkley on uh, with Waddle and Silly saying it's time yeah. to pull this thing up a year later. Yeah. <laughs> Who would imagine that, that people would even be talking in those terms? Yeah, well, I mean, the the, the injuries that deceived a lot of teams hit the Bulls in a different way uh, because, you know, it wasn't all-out ACL tears. It, it wasn't, you know, this guy's gone for this amount of time. There was these vague and nebulous kind of, uh, you know, time periods put around a couple of these injuries, and Zach then played through his injury, right? So you got a team who started out like gangbusters at the start of last year, and then by what, all-star break, we were talking about the number one team in the Eastern Conference yep. in terms of record, yep. them in the Miami Heat, and the Lonzo Ball injury just put this team in a position where other guys were going to have to fill in for the things that he did on a starter level, right? Like Ayo Desumu doing it as a rookie and Alex Caruso doing it on the, off the bench is one thing, but you're starting backcourt, your guys who are out there the most, and you know Zach Levine being one of them, while he was injured, had to pick up his defense, had to pick up his playmaking, and his body just wouldn't let him. And I, I think you know his his at the time he was still trying to figure out you know a lot of pressure. You know, there was a lot of pressure going on with that, that dude, like going into a contract year, um, all the additions to a team that you had previously been on. Remember, Kobe White, Patrick Williams, and Zach Levine were the only players on the team from two years ago. So all the new additions, you're looking at all these new pieces, and then if things go wrong in that second half, people are like, well, you know, it's got to be you. It's got to be somebody else because DeMar DeRozan is scoring 30 a game and Lonzo's not here anymore. So this team had a, a tale of two seasons and then came into this one where um, defensively, you know the numbers were okay at the start of the season, but it wasn't it wasn't constant, right? Like too many sixty yeah. point halves and 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 getting down by ten or seven in the first quarter and having to claw. That was the only constant was was yeah. not showing up in the first quarter, right? Yeah, and they 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 got too used to it, hands like they they did so much coming in from behind and knocking late shots down and high degree of difficulty shots that they got used to that, you know, being something that they can uh, tap into. And, you know, you know, like that, that's only sustainable for a couple of weeks, few weeks, maybe a month, but that's not sustainable over an off season and over the start of a new season. So I think this team, you know, that, 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 that West Coast road trip that started with the Celtics at home and then going on the road to the Bucks and beating both those teams back-to-back and then seeing that Thunder game, seeing what Devin Booker did in three quarters in that Suns game, seeing oh. the Kings beat you without De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis having to play, you know, really, really great basketball. You know, it, it, this thing could go one of two ways, and we're still we're still in the process of seeing how it's going to go, but could have gone one of two ways. Team, this team could have split up. Guys could have been mad. Billy Donovan's rotations could be questioned, which all those things were happening, and they could lose games. So the fact that they came out of that with the Wizards and the Mavericks, you know, sometimes you need a sparring partner, and like Kendall Kill says, and they beat <laughs> those two teams, and now it's time to start to kind of steer this thing back, you know, get this plane back in the sky instead of these emergency landings that ha- seemingly happen, you know, every other day because of the defense or because of rotations or because of the offense not functioning the way it's supposed to. So uh, I've long said, you you know, you you pay your guys to be your guys. And the three best players, for whatever reason, to start the season weren't all on the same page, weren't playing their best basketball. These last couple of games, hopefully, are an indicator for uh, for things to come because those three dudes have been the catalyst and been the reason why they've won these last two games. Uh, I'm going to let you go and appreciate your time. But before I let you out of here, Mm-hmm. I think I've I've thought I've seen it and heard it all, but uh, you know, the buzzards are circling. Yet the Bulls front office wasn't aware. 
the, the Lakers were talking about a trade with the Chicago Bulls and looking at the roster <laughs> and saying, you know, Vooch and DeMar would look really good in our uniform. And, and yeah. draft picks in 2027? I mean, that isn't even a Charles Barkley rebuild. That's like two rebuilds <laughs> from – I mean, I – so we have one team, you know, saying, "Hey, we we might go ahead and make that move." And the Bulls claim that you know they have no no interest one, and and hadn't heard anything too other than through the grapevine. But that is bizarre to me that there's there's a team on the West Coast, the Lakers, obviously have, needs help, and they're talking about, "Hey, we'll just take the, you know your two best players, arguably, or two of your three best players uh, mm-hmm. supposed to be anyway." We know Demar Superman. And then we'll give you some draft picks five years from now. Let's get that deal done today. What? Yeah, I think a lot of that is from the Lakers side and also letting people know that they're in the market, right? Like LeBron yeah. James has not been bashful in some of his comments, if you read in between the lines, and understanding that he needs shooters, he needs a little bit more offensive help. Anthony Davis has gone crazy over the last little stretch here, but once again, he's banged up. So, I, I think LeBron is not trying to be a part of any playing situation, so the pressure is on, the pressure is on that front office to try to figure out who they can snatch. Now, yeah, picks five years from now when the Lakers probably would be bad, yeah, okay. But yeah. from that point on, you know, the Bulls still got to feel the basketball team too, and, and we know that the free agent uh, history with this team outside of last year when you got Lonzo. And uh, Demar hasn't been the greatest. Now, have those two players changed the um, the what, what is the theme around the NBA surrounding this this organization? Maybe, maybe so. But I, I'd like to see a little bit more um, evidence to that before we start thinking that this is just some free agent landing spot. And on top of it, I mean, Demar Derozan, like you mentioned, Demar Derozan and Nikola Vucevic are still extremely viable players in this Eastern Conference. The Bulls still can make a little bit of a run at it. Um, but, but those three dudes got to play better. And they've been well, started here in these last couple of games, and hopefully it continues. Uh, it's on Zach, it's on Demar, and to a lesser extent, it's on Nikola Vucevic. However, those three dudes play is how this season will end. Well, they're going to be a second round playoff team, and that was the front office, you know, minimum goal. Uh, they better get going and, and yeah, build off yeah. it, build off last night. And I know you'll be ready to go five o'clock today with the pregame on NBC Sports Chicago. Hopefully at five thirty, they'll be ready to go to put another one in the wind column. Jason, man, it's great catching up. I appreciate it. Keep up the great work. Say hello to Candle for me, and uh, yeah. we'll talk uh, sooner than later. Hopefully, Brian, thank you so much for having me, man. Always appreciate you. Always respected you. One of the OGs in this game, and uh, you are appreciated, my guy. Too kind. Too kind. Thanks, Jace. Take care. Yes, sir. He's Jason Goff, NBC Sports Chicago. When we come back here on ESPN 1000, Paul Sullivan will join us and talk a little White Sox and Chicago Cubs. Uh, a lot more to do in the offseason, and the winter meetings have just concluded and uh, underwhelmed. That's how uh, I would say I am anyway, and I'm a Cubs fan, but sure Sox fans are even more underwhelmed with what got done. We'll talk to our guy Paul Sullivan on ESPN 1000 in just a couple. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Facebook at ESPN Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Welcome back, ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley here on a Sunday morning. Glad you're with us today. And uh, my GMs went to San Diego, and all I got was a lousy T-shirt. Well, it seems like that. Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune. The one and only, the premier columnist, longtime baseball scribe. Welcome into the show. What the hell went on there? 
Why well, I thought Mike Clevenger and uh, you know uh, I I don't know Cody Bellinger is is that MVP Cody Bellinger or or Cody Bellinger from the last two years I I I'm I'm disappointed Paul I'm I'm just a little underwhelmed with what the hot stove has been to this point. Well, good morning, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just I, I, I just. Yeah. I mean, you know, what were you expecting, what, though? The Sox well, said they weren't going to spend, and the Cubs, well, you knew hey, that Rick, it was either uh, uh, one of the big names or or nothing, or not nothing, but you know, relatively nothing. Well, Rick Hahn's true to his word. He said he's going to do something; it'll be by trade, and he said he's going to wait for the right deals to present themselves. I, I don't usually that you know that can happen at the winter meetings. That's why everyone gets together, but. Um, one of the four shortstops were down to two now, right? And yeah. your column today with Cody Bellinger, first of all, I, I, every time I read your column, I either learn something or you you jog my memory. I, I forgot that Carlos Pena was even a Cub. But <laughs> 12 years ago, you had the, the one-year deal. deal. Yeah, the pillow deal that, that Scott yeah. bore. So you can coin a phrase and, and get money for his clients at the same time. What do you make of Cody Bellinger? I mean, is this the guy from the last two years, or is this MVP Cody Bellinger, or somewhere in between? And what what are the Cubs expecting at this point? Well, obviously, the Cubs are expecting a turnaround. You don't give a guy uh, seventeen million guaranteed, seventeen and a half, uh, if you think he's you know not capable of it. Uh, he still is young. I mean, twenty seven. Uh, he's three years removed from an MVP season. But, uh, you know, that shoulder injury uh, seemed to really set him back. And, uh, I mean, uh, hitting under 200 the last two years, uh, combined two years, I should say, uh, you know, that's <laughs> not really reason for optimism. <laughs> uh, he is a great fielder still, a center fielder. He can play first, so you got that. Um, I don't really mind that move. I mean, it's, it's not my money. I don't really care. Right. But uh, I think if they strike out on the four shortstops, uh, that that will really register in Chicago, not just because, I mean, they do have Nico, and he, he's very solid shortstop, but just all the talk about spending and all the getting fans' hopes up that they would get one of them. And now I would imagine, I'm just guessing here, I can't imagine them spending the kind of money that Correa is going to get, especially if they yeah. – Giants and Yankees are involved, so I would think it's either Swansby or nothing at this point. Yeah, especially when Bogarts gets eleven years and whatever two hundred and eighty. Yeah, two hundred eighty million. So you're 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 in the now back to the three hundred million range for Korea, yeah. certainly. And 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 who knows how what you know how long Swansby uh, uh, Dansby Swans is looking for as well. And I'm with you. Yeah. I think he's the guy. Um, but yeah, I, and I was, he's not bad. He's definitely no. a good shortstop. But of the four, he was he was the four. least probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was number four. I am. Um, but and I know every time Jed Hoyer says, "Well, we want to spend intelligently." I mean, if you're if you're spending a thousand dollars, I hope you're spending it intelligently, right? Let alone yeah. three hundred million. I think that should go unsaid. But you wrote a column a few weeks ago that this should be his signature off season, right? Jed Hoyer, it's time yeah. for him. To put Definitely. his imprint, and and so far not so good. Yeah, and not just I'm not just saying that. I mean, he's basically come out and said that uh, you know this is the time for the team to start uh, contending, and 
you know, he won't call it a rebuild, but certainly it's, it's part of the rebuild where you, you know, make the pivot as they did in 2014. He even agreed that 2014 would be a, uh, you know, relevant year as far as, as this off season, uh, the year, of course, they got John Lester. And if they don't get a guy, uh, John Lester caliber, then it, it's going to be a very big disappointment to Cub fans. And um, I, I just don't know what they do. I mean, losing Contreras, I thought was a big PR blow. I, I understand that maybe they didn't feel they want to give that kind of money to a, a catcher that's going to be, you know, 35 at the end of his contract. But, <laughs> you know, other teams are willing to do it. So so why why couldn't they do that, especially someone that popular? So I think, yeah, yeah I think this the, is a the huge offseason for Hoyer. The team that did it, by the way, I think has had one sub-500 team in the last, thir- five, what, 30 years or so? I mean, they, they yeah. seem to, to, to make the right baseball moves more often than not. And and it happens to be your rival, too, which, you know, really yeah. makes it even more uh, upset. And then on the south side of town, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf, God bless him. The charity work and the award they got, well-deserved, and, and it's terrific that one thing about Jerry Reinsdorf teams, both the Bulls and White Sox, they're all about the community, and uh, and they they try to uplift everything around either the United Center or the rate, and they've been doing that for decades. But you know, Sox fans coming off this season, which was not only uh, underachieving season, it was tough to stomach. And he's a, even as a Cubs fan, I'm watching those games. And I'm like, good lord, it's got to be better than this, and. I, I get you now have a manager in Pedro Grafal who's going to hold people accountable and tell them to bring it every day. And if they don't bring it every day, there's going to be consequences. But effort is one thing. Talent is something else again. And they have some glaring holes here. Yeah. I mean, I, I still don't have any idea what they're going to do at second base. Um, you, yeah, I figure they'll probably put uh, Oscar Colas in right field. Maybe yeah. uh, something kind of a platoon thing with Gavin. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Clevenger, a decent, you know, one year deal. Um, you know, I guess uh, a bit of a comeback you're asking for him. He did pitch well in Cleveland. Uh, that was a few years ago. So, but I understand those kind of, you know, risky deals, uh, low risk deals that you're not giving a guy a whole lot of years but still, he he's got to do something. Han's got to do something because people are just so upset, and you, I just hear it all the time wherever I go. And this is the worst year ever. Isn't the worst yeah. year ever? And it's funny because you know we've seen way worse White Sox teams in our lifetime, but this team in particular just really graded on people, and for many reasons. And um, you know, he's got to make some trades and. Liam Hendricks seems to be the guy that everyone's talking about that would get the most in return. But I th- really think he should think about uh, Anderson um, because yeah. I think Elvis, Elvis Anders really showed, uh, you know, what a real good defensive shortstop can be and uh, also provided a lot of hitting. And, uh, you know, Anderson's watching this just like the rest of us. $280 million for Bogarts. He started in the All-Star game over Bogarts. So, you know, he's going to expect that kind of money in a couple of years. So, I don't know. It's uh, it's uh, really interesting to watch, that's for sure. You you wrote about T.A. Uh, the other day, and, and it, it was fascinating because Twitter, you know, once again, Twitter <laughs> creates some issues yeah. or or magnifies issues. 
what do you make of that? So TA, you know, someone basically pointing out that, you know, great players have ended up in other uniforms, not worn the same uniform. Yeah. TA is the face of the franchise. They met, you know, marketing campaign, changed the game. He wrote about all that, but he liked a, a, a retweet of, you know, the fact that TA could be wearing a different uniform. I don't know. Is is he upset with the team friendly contract he signed? You mentioned the 280 million and, He's, you know, at the tail end of a contract that doesn't pay him all that much these days relative to what other stars are making. I don't know if he's upset. Um, it, it's kind of a, one of those cryptic things where uh, the, the tweet wasn't about him in particular. It was about uh, Frank Thomas leaving. And, right. uh, you know, the guy said, uh, you know, kind of brought up T.A.'s name, like people should get ready for that. And it, But it was a, a tweeter that, had like 50 followers. So you're wondering how Tim Anderson would even see that unless he's, uh, you know, putting his name in the search engine and seeing what people are saying about him. <laughs> I mean, who cares what is some 50 you know, follower tweeter has to say about anything. And then, then once uh, somebody saw it and screenshotted it, and this is the way it goes today, you know, you can't do anything without someone seeing it. And then right. once that got to Barstool, it was, you know, bombs away so he deleted it so uh i don't know what he's thinking but uh you know he he is going to make a lot of money somewhere i don't know if it's going to be on the south side but they do have montgomery in the system and he should be ready in a couple of years so i think at the very least han should be listening to anyone who's interested in anderson yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, uh, a few weeks ago we were talking about it, and I think everything should be on the table. And and that it, it's not a slap at TA, but you got to give to get, and you still yeah. need left-handed power. And and Liam Hendricks is going to get you something. But I mean, yeah. if you're going to make a deal that gets White Sox fans excited, and you know, I don't know how beloved TA is after this season. Is anyone beloved on that side of town anymore? You don't want to give them away, but you have a lot of things to get done here. And if you're only doing it via trade, and that's what Rick Hahn said, um, you got to get moving. Yeah. I mean, they just lost one of their, you know, faces of the franchise in Abreu, who uh, always said he would sign himself. He wanted to stay here so badly, uh, wanted to end his career in Sox uniform, and he's gone. So. I think uh, there should be nothing off limits now. Um, maybe Dylan sees. I mean, I, I, you've yeah. got to be nuts to trade him right now. But uh, Geo, for sure, should be his name should be out there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Kopech people were asking about him uh, if he was on the you know possibility of being traded. So yeah, I, if they bring back this, <laughs> just the bulk oh, of the team and expect. Uh, Pedro to be the uh, difference maker. I think that's a, that's going to be a big mistake. Well, uh, we'll let you go. I, I, there, there are no more winter meetings in January that we can get excited about, right? <laughs> this, that, that was bad. no. Uh, it was a great winter meeting. I wasn't there, but just watching it uh, unfold, it's crazy that all these guys are going to be paid in their thirty, forty million at the age of thirty-eight, thirty-nine. <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's it's great that baseball's healthy, and it was great that they had their first legitimate winter meetings since uh, pre-pandemic. Yeah. So, 
Uh, you know, San Diego seems to be happy with their baseball front office. Um, you know, but uh, hey, there's still time for for uh, Rick and Jed to to surprise us. I, I, I'm not holding my breath, but who knows? No, we'll find out. But uh, yeah, a lot of pressure, and uh, let's keep it on. You do it, man. You do it every day in the Chicago Tribune. Uh, thanks so much for hopping on. Keep up the great work. And uh, I got to go look up Carlos Pena to remember exactly what <laughs> he did for the Chicago Cubs 12 years ago. Uh, You're man, much. Paul. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, 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 Sully. Talk yeah. to you later. That's Paul Sullivan. You read him in the Chicago Tribune, chicagotribune.com, one of the great ones. Going to take a quick time out on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's home for sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is ESPN 1000. Welcome back, ESPN 1000. Brian Hanley here until top of the hour. Thanks for being with us this hour, and thanks to Jason Goff and Paul Sullivan for joining us. And uh, I, I guess I'm not the only Cubs fan or baseball fan in town who's less than optimistic that uh, much more is going to get done this offseason. The Chicago Sun-Times asked its readers to uh, weigh in on both t- both sides of town and whether the Cubs are going to sign one of the uh, top four shortstops now down to one of the top two shortstops specifically they asked whether the cubs would sign free agent shortstop carlos correa and that was the buzz about three or four weeks ago that uh, they were very much interested and um, very uh, much in the running to sign correa um, but almost 1200 people uh, weighed in on the chicago sun times poll yesterday and 74.7 percent said no the cubs will not sign carlos Correa. Maybe it is Dansby Swanson. We shall see. But as uh, Paul Sullivan just said, if they don't get at least Swanson, who would be number four of the top four shortstops, uh, a lot of Cub fans, myself included, would be disappointed. And on the south side of town, uh, the Chicago White Sox, uh, Rick Hahn said uh, they would do whatever they could this offseason. And more, more likely than not, it would be via trade. Uh, the Sun-Times polled its readers and asked if the White Sox would make any major acquisitions this offseason. And um, almost uh, 1,200 people, 1,175 fans weighed in, and a whopping 86.7% said no. They will be continue to be frustrated because the Chicago White Sox say they're going to do something, and yet the fan base does not believe they will do much of anything. And... Um, it's uh, getting to be mid-December here, and uh, I really thought they would get more done in San Diego at the winter meetings. But uh, obviously, there's still plenty of time to do something, and we'll find out if it's something significant because, frankly, it needs to be. It, uh, you know, the new manager and the new attitude and the new accountability, those are all great things to have on any team, uh, and, and in baseball in particular, on a 162-game grind. You want teams that show up pretty much every single day if possible, but more often than not. And that was not your Chicago White Sox last year. Uh, injuries or not, that team did not give its best effort. And throughout the season, uh, they kept poo-pooing the idea that there was a clubhouse problem. There was a leadership void. Uh, it was, you know, guys who were not living up to their contracts and um, all that in the final few weeks of the season, you actually heard players uh, voicing uh, that fact. They, as much as they said that wasn't the case through the bulk of the season, uh, in the swan, in the uh, uh, final days of the season, you heard some of the veteran players come out and say, oh, yeah, uh, the, the attitude has to be much better. 
and it wasn't all that great. So we'll find out what the baseball hot stove has in store for us. Again, uh, Paul Sullivan will keep it covered in the Chicago Tribune. He's the longtime baseball scribe, the Dean of Baseball Writers, and I appreciate him taking time out to join the conversation this morning. And again, thanks to Jason Goff. We'll uh, see him again on the pregame on NBC Sports Chicago at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Early tip in Atlanta, 5.30. Thanks so much for joining us. A quick hour of sports talk here at ESPN 1000. I'm Brian Hanley. Talk to you again next week. Have a great day.